welcome to the Low Tox Life podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and this week we have a super special show. I've brought Dr. Stephen Sinatra back. I always want to say Frank Sinatra. He's just as cool. Uh, he's America's uh, most sort of famous, if you like, integrative cardiologist, one of the first uh, renowned uh, doctors to step away from saying that statins are the be-all and end-all of uh, working on uh, heart disease and reducing heart disease numbers. What I love about Dr. Sinatra is many things, but something that I really love about chatting to him is how wide a net he casts over what it takes to truly come into your own um, from a health perspective or a healing perspective if there's something really wrong. And uh, he had a sort of chance meeting with a, a healer himself, a guy called Tommy Rosa, who is uh, someone who had a very, very profound near-death experience. And these things are quite woo-woo. You know, you hear about them and you think near-death, you know, I saw the light, I didn't want to come back to reality. Uh, and I just thought it, there would be something rather interesting to explore with a very well-known scientific mind who also places a huge amount of importance on all the intangibles when it comes to healing. So Tommy and Dr. Sinatra both wrote a book around that and it's uh, Health Revelations from Heaven and Earth. Now you might hear the word heaven and think, oh, I'm not religious, this one's not for me, uh, but I urge you to cast any of that aside because for me it actually doesn't have an awful lot to do about religion. It's more about spirituality and how our spirituality can help us in a healing process or uh, discover a new strength and a new vitality. There's heaps of practical uh, health advice and it's a really, really interesting chat. So I, I think you're really going to uh, love it. I certainly did myself. Uh, and before I launch into that, I just want to mention one more time uh, that you have a brilliant offer from Etitude, who are a gorgeous um, linen company. Uh, well, not linen technically because their material is bamboo lyocell. And uh, organic lyocell is uh, uh, great for me, especially the way that uh, Etitude are doing it where they're ensuring that every step of the production uh, has the... Um, the farmers being paid right, the factory workers being paid right, a lack of um, toxic chemicals being used in the creation of the fabrics uh, and dyes. Uh, it's a really, really beautiful little company and they have 10% off for us for the whole month of November. And given this is the last podcast show for November. This is the last week you therefore have the chance to redeem that 10%. So please head to the show notes. Uh, you have the link on iTunes as if that's where you're listening from. Otherwise, always from uh, lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and just click on today's episode and you'll see the whole offer and the special links that you need to use to use that 10% discount. So if you were thinking of asking for a really gorgeous set of sheets or a doona cover for Christmas or you're wanting to maybe offer one, uh, then uh, please make the most of that. It is the last week. Back to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Keep an open mind. We discuss some pretty cool and quirky stuff that uh, Dr. Sinatra has discovered along his travels, his own health journey, and the journey of many healers and, and patients that he's personally worked with as well. 
So I had to bring him back onto the show. Dr. Sinatra, how are you? I'm great. It's a great day here in the, in Connecticut, I'll tell you. It's wonderful. Oh, wonderful. We're going uh, to soon, you know, the, the, with the winter weather coming, I'm, I'm, I'm getting anxious to go down there. So it's going to be Florida for a few more months. Oh, nice, nice. Now, we recently spoke about uh, heart health in the general sense, but I really wanted to talk a little bit more about this book that you brought out this year with uh, Tommy Rosa, who's an extraordinary individual, uh, Health Revelations from Heaven and Earth. Now, uh, look, I was quite shocked by what I read. There were some pretty huge uh, claims. There were some amazing anecdotes. I would love to know what brought you and Tommy's paths to cross. How did it come to be that you got together to write this book? It's absolutely amazing. I have to tell you, uh, I was giving a lecture in Florida, in Orlando. No, no, I'm sorry, in Tampa uh, about five and a half years ago. And uh, Tommy lived in Stewart. And Tommy was like run over by a car about 17 years ago. And he was in sort of his 12th year. He was struggling with a lot of heart issues. He had a pacemaker, he had a defibrillator, he had a severe cardiac contusion. And um, he was still on the mend, but he came to my lecture. And I didn't even know Tommy was there. And, and the bottom line was this, before my lecture back in, 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 or, uh, in uh, Tampa, I had had the hip replacement about maybe four or five months before. I had a total hip. I actually fought at Alex for like 10 years. I mean, I, <laughs> I did every, every, everything but stem cells. But now stem cells would, would take care of it. But uh, uh, they weren't in vogue back then. But, but anyway, the amazing thing was, was before my lecture in, in Florida, I had some lesions on my face and I had them biopsied and they were cancer. I had squamous cell carcinoma. And... Uh, I looked sort of like a boxer in a way, but I had these biopsies and then I traveled to Florida to give this lecture. My, my face fortunately healed up, but I forgot to tell the plastic surgeon that I had a total hip replacement and I was getting pain in my hip and I couldn't figure it out because, you know, I was operated on five, six months beforehand. Why am I getting pain? And then I'm, I'm down in the lecture and I'm limping and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, I forgot to tell a plastic surgeon that I have a prosthetic hip. I ho hope I don't have, like, bacteria in my hip from the biopsies on my face. So after I gave my lecture, I was limping, and uh, I had pain in the hip. And I went down to the lecture hall, and I'm thinking, you know, maybe I to, if I get some serapeptase, you know, it's, it's sort of an enzyme to dissolve protein coats, uh, you know, my, my own immune system would attack the bacteria and kill it. So I'm down in the, uh, in the exhibitor hall, and I just, you know, said, hey, does anybody have any serapeptase? And Tommy's wife comes over, and she goes, I have some. I go, oh, great. And she comes over, and she says, I'll go to my room. And then Tommy comes over, and he goes, hi, hi I'm Tommy Roser, and I, and I really loved your lecture. And he goes, by the way, he goes, you have an infection in your hip. I go, what? Hmm. And he goes, yeah, and I think it's staph. I go, really? How could you possibly know that? And he says, without blinking an eye, he says, spirit told me. I go, spirit told you? <laughs> he goes, yes. I go, okay, we got to talk. So 
That's my introduction to Tommy Rosa. Uh, his wife came down with the serapeptase. I took the serapeptase in addition to some other herbs and stuff, and my hip, after another week or two, stopped aching, and I think I eradicated you know, the bacteria in my hip. But when Tommy told me that, uh, we had dinner two nights later, and then I, I got to, I, I ended up driving to Stewart, seeing him, and uh, we became best friends. And then he told me about his, you know, his near-death experience. And, and this I was said, from the accident that he had? This was from the accident. And I said to Tommy, I said, the more I got to know Tommy, I said, you know, Tommy, the information you learned in heaven is exactly what I'm doing here on Earth. I mean, we got to write a book together. But it took us four years to write the book <laughs> because... There was so much information. It was like over a thousand pages. I had to give it to one of my writers to condense it down to like 500. And then we condensed that 500 down to like, you know, 240, 250, 230 with the index and maybe a little more with the index. And um, it's one of the greatest books I've ever written. And, and basically it's about Tommy's experience in heaven, which sort of matches my experience on earth. And uh, it's an amazing story how Tommy and I actually were brought together. And I think it's all divinely connected. Wow. Uh, yeah, they, they say things happen for a reason. And that's absolutely, uh, it seems to be a great example. Um, now, the title of the book, obviously containing the word heaven, that might steer some people away who perhaps aren't Christian or are spiritual in a way that doesn't articulate a God or even maybe atheist. Could you share your thoughts on, on how you feel this book is for anyone? Because having read it myself, I believe so, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, no matter what our beliefs are, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if, if you look at the ages of antiquity and, you know, we, we look at the Buddha, uh, who, who I think was like 5,000 years before Christ. And, um, you know, some theologians believe that Christ is a reincarnation of Buddha. And, if, you know, if, if, if we look at spirituality, you know, the Taoists believe in nature. Um, you know, half of Indians uh, in, in India practice Buddhism or Taoism or Hinduism. And there's different religions, you know, all over the world. It doesn't matter because the, the, the essence of spirituality is, is, is a belief in, in something beyond ourselves. And um, one of the things that I learned from Tommy is that for many of us, our life is programmed. And uh, after meeting Tommy, I realized that my life was programmed right from the beginning. And, you know, people have different religious beliefs. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There are so many different religions in the world. But the commonality is really, you know, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. In other words, that's a, that's a very strong statement. And after meeting Tommy, and knowing that my life was programmed, I just believe that the essence of, of religion is a belief in something more than ourselves. Now, Tommy happened to meet Jesus Christ in heaven, and he met Michael the Archangel, and he saw his uh, deceased father and his grandmother who was deceased. So um, what, what Tommy learned in heaven was the fact that there's different religions in the world, and, and Christ told Tommy that there's a thousand, it's written in the Bible, and, and even, you know, Christ told Tommy, there's a thousand ways to my door. Well, what does that mean? A thousand ways to my door. Um, 
So when Tommy heard these messages and he thought about it for a while, it's, it was almost like saying that, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, there is another place that we're going to. And um, I am convinced that, you know, heaven exists. And by the way, I mean, are, are you familiar with Ray Moody at all? He wrote a lot of the books, you know, Life After Death. and, and all. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely know the name. I haven't read any of his work, though. I mean, look at his growth and development. He was a philosopher. He studied philosophy. He got a PhD in philosophy. And then he ended up going to medical school and became a psychiatrist. Wow. But, you know, when you hear Ray Moody lecture, and, and Ray Moody is a bit of an atheist in a way, you know, I mean, and, until until he started to write about life after death and he realized he saw all these stories of people who have died and went to the other side. But even when he was studying Plato, when when Greek soldiers died on the battlefield, when we're, you know, we're talking thousands of years ago, and they went to heaven and back. In other words, they died on the battlefield but they had what Tommy had, a near-death experience, and they, quote, they survived the battle. They survived their mortal, quote, mortal wound. And even Plato wrote about this, you know, thousands of years ago, about life after death. So this is a, this is a phenomenon that's been going on since, since the ages of man. And I'm blessed. I'm totally blessed that I met somebody like Tommy who was able to articulate his entire story. And to me, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And I believe entirely truthful. Amazing. So as a man of science, you find that you're able to, you know, because a lot of people who come back and talk about their near-death experiences, society on the whole can often tend to call them woo-woo people, you know, crazy fringe people, liars, and a whole bunch of other things. How how do we how do we be more trusting of a greater sense of self of, of the the fact that we can can actually have these experiences and come back to the world? You know, how do we explain it? I know it's probably something that we can't explain, but I'm I'm curious to think, you know, for yourself as a man of science, how did you how did you become so trusting of this afterlife and this incredible recount of the experiences that Tommy had in his near death and, and then coming back and doing the work he now does in the world? Right. Great question. You know, it's all metaphysical. In other words, it boils down to this, Alex. What is more important, things that we see or things that we can't see? In other words, is the unseen more important than what our eyes can see? That's what it boils down to. And a lot of it boils down to faith. And, 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 and that's an important aspect for all of us. I mean, I mean, that's why I think meeting Tommy for me was predestined. Because after I met Tommy, I realized that all the dots in my life that I thought would just, you know, hap happened by chance. No, things didn't happen by chance in my life. All those dots were connected, you know, including, you know, going to medical school, becoming a doctor and my, my mother being diabetic. I mean, there's so many things that that I, I can't explain by chance. And before I met Tommy, I had about 20 near death experiences in my practice. In other words, I was a cardiologist. I've been a cardiologist for over 45 years. I, I, I worked in cardiac catheterization laboratories, ICUs, CCUs. 
I mean, I had people die on the cath table. I had people die on the, in the CCU, the ICU, the emergency room. I brought people back to life. And in my history as a cardiologist, I had about 20 near-death experiences in people who went to the other side and came back. None as profound as Tommy. I had two near-death experiences that were not good. They were terrible. They were, they were awful. Wow. In what way? Well, one of them was a Marine in the U.S., you know, in the U.S., you know, armed forces. And he told me he did a lot of bad things in his life. And um, he was playing racquetball. He was in his early 40s and he was playing against a, a much younger male. And it got to be a, bi a big struggle. And he ended up dying on a racquetball court. Oh, my gosh. I mean, fortunately, the ambulance got there quickly. They revived him and they brought him into the emergency room. And I was there seeing another patient. And uh, uh, we revived him for the third time. And, but this is an amazing thing, Alex. You know, when somebody comes in the emergency room and they're pumping the chest and they're doing this, it, it's, it's chaotic. So, so, you know, it really is chaotic. And I'm asking for a nurse for bicarb, and she takes the, uh, the covering off, and she ends up stabbing me in the temple. So now I'm bleeding like a, like a, like a, <laughs> oh like a monster. I'm bleeding all over my face, right? And I have a tie, and I have a tie on. And... Uh, I asked for another amp of bicarb. I injected it into his femoral vein, and we shocked this, this guy, and we, we brought him back for the third time. And this has never happened to me in my entire career as a cardiologist. I have saved maybe a, a couple of hundred people from, from near death, and usually these people wake up after you know, several minutes, a few hours, even a day. You know, they, they, a lot of these people come a little comatose. This guy woke up immediately, and he grabbed my tie, and he pulls me down to his, to his mouth, an inch away from his mouth, and he says, where am I? And, this is a, and, then, and let me tell you something. People don't wake up from a cardiac arrest strong, and he was strong. So something happened. Wow. Uh, this, is, uh, this has never happened to me in my entire life as a cardiologist. He goes, where am I? And I go, you're in the emergency room. And then he says, get rid of all these people. He saw all these. I couldn't believe it. I could see these people. I get, so I tell everybody to leave. He lets go of me. He almost choked me to death. I got to tell you, he was so strong. Remember, he was a Marine in the U.S. Arm, you know, US Armed Forces. And he goes, is everybody out of here? I go, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm bleeding. He sees my bloody face. You know, I straighten out my tie, just like James Bond would do. <laughs> you know, instinctively, I straighten you out. You had your James Bond moment, Dr. Sinatra. <laughs> he goes, I saw a hooded man. I go, oh, tell me. He goes, his back was turned to me and fire was coming at me. And I was getting closer and closer to the fire. And then all of a sudden I was pulled away. That's when he was being resuscitated because three times he was shot with paddles. And he remembers getting closer and closer to the fire. I've never heard a near-death experience like this before. And we didn't even write about it in the book because I wanted to keep the book, you know, you know positive. Mm. But even Ray Moody says in his experience of hundreds of near-death experiences, he says 98% are positive. I had about 20, 25, and only had, I only had two negative out of the 20 to 25. So, so things are looking good for most of us. <laughs> yeah, things are looking really good. But I got to tell you, this guy's near-death experience was frightening. And because of his near-death experience, he totally changed his life, totally changed him. And... Um, you know, it was it was just something that uh, this is way before Tommy, 
But again, even then, I was I was thinking about you know, you know the the supernatural and the afternatural because I I just heard too many stories. I've heard stories of going to the other side, coming back, people floating on a ceiling, rooting for me. I had one guy I resuscitated, Alex. I saw him back in the office a week later. He was so angry with me, he wanted to sue me. He says, I was in the greatest place. Why did you bring me back? You know, you have your nerve. I mean, I I, I couldn't believe it. I saved his life, and yet he wanted to go back. He wow. Wanted to so I was prepped for Tommy, and thank God I was, because after hearing Tommy's story, it was the most amazing story I've heard out of my 20, 25 near-death experiences. And, and again, I was prepped right for it, and that's why uh, we ended up writing a book together. Oh, I love it. So you say the book is for everyone who wants to take a leap into understanding the divine connectedness of all beings. How do yes. you, yeah, how do you feel that this divine connectedness can actually be explained? Well, you know, we're all connected. Did you ever see the movie Babel? No. Oh, it's a great movie. Babel. Uh, I'm writing that down. I'm putting it in yeah, the show notes. See that movie. Uh, okay. It's about, it's about how, you know, Everybody in the world is connected. How an event occurring in India could affect somebody in the USA. Wow. It's an amazing story. And it's a very spiritual movie. Brad Pitt is a major actor in it. And the, the, the movie had an impact on me because I've always believed that events happening in one area of the earth could affect somebody on another area. And so that's where we talk about the spiritual interconnectedness of all things. And... Um, you know, it's like Tommy. When when Tommy walked into my life, for the first time, I realized that things in my life didn't happen by chance. Everything in my life was connected. And and I'll I'll just tell you another quick story. I mean, when I went to medical school, I was also a a, a wrestler in college. So I, I went to college on sort of an athletic scholarship, and uh, my grades were okay. Uh, I had good recommendations. But, you know, there were a lot of kids that were a lot smarter than me and, you know, higher IQs. But I was the first person in my medical school, in my college class to be accepted to medical school. And it was September of my senior year in college. In other words, my whole senior year in college was I didn't have to worry because I was already accepted in the medical school. And it was the Vietnam War. It was amazing. And because I was accepted so early, I always wanted to teach. So I became a student teacher. And I was allowed to take the electives because I was already in the medical school. But even then, I look back on it and I'm saying, you know, was that a divine connected dot? And I think it was. I absolutely believe it was because in no way should I have been accepted in medical school over kids that had, you know, higher grades, you know, higher MedCat scores, maybe not better recommendations because I think my professors really liked the fact that I was, you know, a college athlete and a, and a pre-med student at the same time. But I have to tell you, I, I strongly believe that our lives are preordained. And you got to see the movie Babel or read the book because I, I think if you, if you look at that, it had such an impact on me that even back then, I, I realized that the interconnectedness of things is, has a divine spirit involved or a divine connection. Beautiful. And I absolutely will watch that movie. And, you know, <laughs> I'm terrible at remembering movies. Was it about 10 years ago by any chance? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I think I've seen it. <laughs> I'm going to have it's to watch it again. Riding in a bus and all of a sudden you get shot. Yes. 
You remember that movie? Yes, I think I do. My my husband is going to laugh so hard when he hears me say I've never seen Babel and then he'll remind me of the movie date we went on. But Alex, when I met Tommy, (laughs) you know, and that, you know, with that lecture. Yeah. The movie Babel came right back to my memory. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. So, so, you know, I think that the spirit world is rooting for us. You know, I think we have we have spirit guides all around us. I think I think the spirit real world roots for us and wants us to become more connected. And and, you know, if you look at all these books on near death experience, I mean, ever since 1975, they've been one bestseller after another. And, uh, you know, I think the spirit world wants to connect with the physical world. So it behooves us to look at spirituality, you know, not from the agnostic point of view, maybe not so much from the religious point of view, but from the point of view that, you know, spirituality does exist. There, there is another world out there. When, and when I asked Tommy about this, Tommy takes his fingers he takes him three feet from the body and he says the spirit world is here. It's right here. We just can't see it or feel it or touch it. But the forces are there. And, and, and I believe Tommy, because Tommy connects with spirit all the time. I mean, even now that he's a mortal human being on the earth, he talks to spirit all the time. Oh, I love this. So, you know, when you said the, the idea that something happening in India can affect something happening in America, it, it made me think of the cohesion of a great team and how as teams out there in workplaces, in sports, we're only ever as good as the person hurting the most or the weakest in the team. And this idea that if we're constantly nurturing and opening up to people in need and the weaker ones or the angry ones and trying to understand each other better, uh, then we create a stronger team overall, right? Which means as a world, you know, if globalization is going to work, we absolutely need to start thinking the same way and start thinking about all of ourselves as connected beings with each other and seek to understand much more than to shut out and divide. I like it. This is good. Yeah. And you know what you said, Tommy talks about at the end of the book, remember at the very end of the book, where he talks about sitting at a dinner table. Yes, exactly. Different languages. That's exactly what you said. Mm. Well, I'm going to chill on that one as well. I mean, I just, <laughs> <laughs> more goosebumps. The, the angels believe the, the angels are telling us right now, Alex, that we're speaking truth. This <laughs> is exactly right. I always feel truth when you have those little moments of enlightenment and it just feels so true. Something that you either feel or say the the goosebumps are just my favorite meter for whether something is, you know, in flow or not. I think it's uh, it always tells the right story. Now, you've got eight health revelations in your book with Tommy, and without wanting to give too much away, could you just sort of, why eight? Like, how on earth were you able to decide that there were eight health revelations all up, and, and that was what, what it would take to to write this book and, and create a, a framework for people? Was it about making it simple and creating a framework? Well, like I said before, you know, the book was almost a thousand pages at first. I mean, it was mm. information in the book. You know, my my wife contributed to it. Uh, Tommy's wife contributed. Uh, then I gave it to a professional writer who, who cut it in half. And then, and then, you know, it went to Rodale and they cut it in half again. But there's a lot of information in that book. I mean, there's so much information. 
that uh, we condensed it. And, and basically, we thought the revelations was really the meat of the book. So it, it really came down to Tommy and, and with discussions over and over again, what were the basic revelations? Because what the theme of the book and, and the excitement of the book was this. What Tommy learned in heaven was what I was practicing on earth. See, that's the interconnectedness of all beings. In other words, I was meant to meet Tommy. I mean, I mean, let's face it. When I was using Coenzyme Q10 30 years ago, I, when I was lecturing on it, doctors were walking out of the audience. They didn't believe it. Now today, Coenzyme Q10, you can see on a television. It's a household name. Mm. And in Tommy, what, what Tommy learned about Coenzyme Q10 was the vital choice. In other words, it was, it was the vital choice chapter. In other words, it was the whole connectedness of ATP and, you know, coenzyme Q10 and, and carnitine and ribose. And Tommy actually knew about, you know, energy, you know, way before other people knew about it. And he, he knew all about coenzyme Q10 and he knew all about carnitine and ribose. He knew this. He got it inculcated in his brain in heaven. And then... When I when he spoke to me about it, he gave me great joy because I knew I was I was on the right track. A another revelation was was the revelation of grounding. Mm, yes, I wanted to ask you about this. Please share. In heaven, from Jesus, Jesus said to Tommy, He says, "I give my sheep ways to heal, but they don't listen." Meaning, I get, I tell them to walk barefoot. That's what Tommy heard from the from the from the master, and. Um, I was saying the same thing, walking barefoot, getting grounded. You have all these physiological situations that are beneficial to the body. But Tommy heard it in heaven. So Tommy validated a lot of the things that, you know, I was preaching on earth. I mean, it, 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 it was so amazing. Like, you know, I, he learned about vital force that I just talked about. Uh, he learned about grounding. Another thing he learned about was inflammation. And, and how cholesterol is good, but sugar is bad. He learned uh, that in heaven? Seriously? He learned that in heaven. He learned how sugar is inflammatory and how, how diet is so important. So there were so many things that Tommy learned in heaven that I was preaching on earth that uh, it was just absolutely amazing. So I, I really believe that one of the dots in my life was meeting Tommy. Mm. And Tommy's been really good for me. I mean... I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, being an invasive cardiologist all my life and, you know, saving people and shocking people, working in the ICU, the CCU, I did 3,000 cardiac catheterizations. You know, I, I lost people in a cath lab. So, fortunately, I, I, never, I, I never lost anybody. I mean, I had people resuscitated. But, I mean, I mean Tommy, Tommy was a gift to me. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you this, Alex, I mean, you know, being an invasive cardiologist and being at the bedside of many, many dying people, uh, I saved a lot. I, I lost some. But like being at the bedside of a dying person, I always had a fear of death myself. Mm. Always had a fear how I would face it, what would it be like. But after meeting Tommy, I don't fear of it anymore because we're all going to a better place. I absolutely believe that. And um, so, so Tommy was a gift for me because... Not only did he validate a lot of the things I was teaching on earth, but he validated that we no longer need to fear death. 
I mean, that's an incredible validation. Mm. So, so well, we're all terrified of death, right? So, so how do we, you know, if we haven't had Tommy's experience, we don't get to meet Tommy, maybe we get a few things out of this beautiful book, but how do we stop fearing death? You know, I, I, sorry, I mean, that's a big question to lump on you. <laughs> for me, it was easy because yeah. I feared it for years. Mm-hmm. But again, I, you know, I, you know, you know, seeing people die, some people die would die with a smile on their face. Some people would die struggling. Some people would die very lonely. You know, even in the book, I wrote about a man who had the, he had love tattooed on his knuckles, and I was an intern, and I know that was a dot in my life where. Uh, I was called to see him because he had cancer of the larynx and he couldn't talk. It was four o'clock in the morning and I had to start an IV and he didn't want it. And basically, I thought I had to, you know, to be a good doctor was to start this IV. I remember just sitting with him. He rested his head on my chest and I, I'm pretty sure he died in my arms. Oh, because wow. I thought he was asleep, but that's what he wanted. And again, I mean, uh, we we need not to be afraid of death. I mean, we we're all afraid of it, but Tommy just got me over my fear of it. And even that man who had tattooed on his knuckles, love, who passed with me, as a, and I was a doctor sitting next to him. I believe I gave him a lot of comfort, uh, even to this day, because that's what some people need when they're passing. You know, even my own mom when she passed. She died in my own arms, and uh, you know I, I gave it a deafening response. And maybe I should give this to your listeners because you know it, it, it happens spontaneously, and when things happen spontaneously, they're they're, they're the truth. I can tell you that. But mm. if anybody, if any of your listeners has the opportunity to sit with a dying person, there's a couple of things you should say. And and one of the things you should sit with a dying person. Allow the dying person to say anything they want because a lot of dying people are fearful and, and they struggle and, they, and they're afraid of the unknown. But one of the things that uh, I learned in my life as a heart specialist, and again, after meeting Tommy, but I was doing this before meeting Tommy, if you're sitting with a dying person, ask them to look for the light. Just ask them to look for the light. That's so important. You know, when you ask people to look for the light, it can take them out of their fear. Mm. And a lot of the people will look for the light. And the second thing you tell them is think pleasant thoughts. If you can get them to think pleasant thoughts, because remember, Tommy went in this tunnel of light. And again, all these people that I worked with with near-death experiences, almost every one of them told me about being in the light, even when they were sitting on the ceiling or they were watching me resuscitate them. Some of them went through the tunnel of light like Tommy went through. But if you ask them to look for the light and to think pleasant thoughts to a dying person and let them say whatever they want, you know, in other words, you know, they may be upset, they may be crying, they may be angry, but if you can focus them on pleasant thoughts and looking for a light, that is the deathing response, and that can help a lot of people. And that's what I did for a lot of my people who were dying, you know, after I, I, I learned about the deathing experience about 15 or 20 years ago. Wow. So it's called the deathing experience? Yes. I wrote about it in a book, and, Which... and Tommy validated it. Wow. And actually, yeah. We put that in Tommy's voice. I thought it was more yeah. appropriate. But, but Tommy validated See, Tommy validated so many things in my life that 
I, I realized that Tommy was placed in my path for a reason. A reason. And, and, you know, and like I said, it doesn't have anything to do with religion. I mean, I grew up Catholic. I wanted to be a priest. I still go to church. I'm still a Eucharistic minister. You know, I, I, I believe in, in religion. But again, whether you're Catholic, Jewish, Protestant, Muslim, atheist, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, we, we all need to, need to believe that we are going to a better place. That's a beautiful note to finish on. Um, now, well, gosh, but I do. I want to bring like this one story back. Am I allowed to ask you to share? It's kind of back to the grounding thing just before we finish because it's such a beautiful story about the medicine woman uh, you met in the Bahamas who oh, shared God, who great. shared. A, I, I just read that and got chills and I was at the beach the next day and it being at the beach was this whole new experience after having read about this experience that you shared in the book could you tell us a little bit about it now this is why we have to believe in spirit I mean things don't happen like this by chance Mm. I was on a a little Bahama island and um, I went to this little restaurant it was actually in this woman's house and it was sort of a shack but and she was cooking, you know, individual meals, and I was surf fishing on the beach, and uh, it was in a it was in a primitive island, and I was having a ball, and it was amazing. When I went to the to the house and to the restaurant, we were talking, and one of the women recognized me. Uh, it was a patron, and sort of, you know, they're all Bahamians there. She recognized me, and she said to me you're Dr. Sinatra. And I go, yes. She goes, I saw you on TV. Mm. And I was on the Oz show. Oh, yeah. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. But they re-showed the show when I was there at that restaurant by chance. So now all these people were seeing me on television <laughs> on the Oz show. So instead of being in a fishing outfit and I was unshaven for a week and wearing my, 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 you know, my, my rags, so to speak, they saw me in a jacket and tie on TV. Yeah. And then the woman who was running the restaurant, she shared with me that she was a Bush woman. And I go, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, I heal people with energy. I go, oh, that's, oh I'm getting the chill again. And they go, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? She goes, well, I heal people with herbs and and stuff like that. And, and, and then she said, you're a fisherman. I go, yeah. She goes, well, the greatest healing that I know is using the tide. I go, using the tide? She goes, yes. She goes, and she tells me about, you know, one of her relatives uh, where she, he was suffering from severe arthritic symptoms. And he would play, she would place him in this chair and sit him in the sand on an outgoing tide. And basically what she, what her belief was, and I believe she's absolutely right because I've been practicing this ever since I met her, was if you can go on an outgoing tide and let the tide take the energy of the body with it and you can dig your heels into the sand and let the tide pull against your body, it's going to take toxins out of the body. This is amazing stuff. This is absolutely amazing stuff because when you – and it makes sense to me. When you're grounded in the earth, right – and you're taking in the Schumann energy or Mother Earth energy. And now since the body is 70% water, mm. and now the outgoing tide is going to take this energetic toxins out of the body. And if you move your arms, now I added to that because do you know why conductors live to, to be 100 years old or more than 100? Conductors have the longest longevity of any profession in the world. Really? 
Yes. And the reason being is because when conductors move their arms back and forth, they're discharging the body because the thoracic duct, you know, runs along the backbone. So when they're moving their arms, like in, in cadence, you know, you know, you know, sort of instructing the orchestra, when they're moving their arms like this, they're discharging toxins in their body. So I told a medicine woman, I said, look, I'm going to use my, you know, the stuff I've learned from, from others, basically, and use grounding to the earth and to tie it at the same time. It's the perfect trifecta. So what I would tell your listeners, Australia's have a lot of beaches, so it's great. I, what I would tell your listeners to do is dig their heels in the sand on an outgoing tide and move your hands like a conductor, or you can swing them back and forth along the body. I learned that my, my, my son actually learned it from a Buddhist monk. If you can do your, if you can take your arms, put them up by your eyes, and swing them back to your back, back and forth a couple hundred times, grounding against the outgoing tide, you're going to discharge the body of a lot of toxins, get the energy of the earth, get all these electrons, which are antioxidants, and you're going to heal your body. It's absolutely amazing. It makes perfect sense, really, because when you think about it, we are of nature. We come from nature. If we look at biodynamic uh, farming science we, in the way that we work with the moon and tides and, and sunshine and, you know, all of those things to bring the best out in a plant, create the strongest plants possible, it stands fully to reason that you would be able to apply those same principles to any animal who walks the earth, um, one of which we are, of course. So it, it, I, I definitely don't think that's woo-woo and I definitely, I, I know that there would be so many thousands of people listening right now who would say, of course, there's something about the sea and the tides and how you feel around the ocean. It, it, it is a completely freeing, peaceful, calming feeling that you don't get many places in the world. Uh, it's, um, wow, she sounds like an amazing woman. Yeah, she was amazing. And, and again, was that spiritually induced? See, I, I really believe that. I mean, for me to meet, meet a woman like that, when I'm on TV at the same time, a rerun, I mean, what are the odds of that happening? Yeah, yeah. You know, see, see, I believe in it, and we talked about this before. This is what we call the divine interconnectedness of all things. Absolutely. You were meant That's to be on the rerun so that she recognized you so that you could then be brought to have that conversation. Yeah, and amazing. And you know something? Her restaurant was a shack. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It was just... The wonderful people, delicious food, healing food. I mean, it was it was one of the uh, you know best events you know of my life in the Bahamas. I have to tell you, and uh, you know th things like that just don't happen by chance. I don't think. I just don't think they do. And yeah. and and that's why I believe in spirituality. But you see, we need to look at spirituality. We all believe that oh, this happened by chance. I don't think so. And I think what people need to get out of our conversation is the fact that there is an interconnectedness of all things. And we think things happen by chance, but I don't think so. It was like me meeting that patient when I was an intern with the love on his fingers. Mm. I know he was placed in my path for a reason. I absolutely know that now because I changed my focus of being a doctor when I thought being a good doctor was to be doing things. Sometimes being the best doctor is just to listen and to get what the other person's saying and don't say anything, but just get it. 
because that's what people want. They want us to get it. And to me, that's a good doctor. And uh, uh, I know that man was placed in my path for a reason, and it was only 25 years old. So that was like 45 years ago. I'm going to be 70 in a couple of months. So Wow. What are you going to do for the big 7-0? You having a party? No, I'm just going to be on the beach. I'll just ground and hopefully I'll do some fishing. <laughs> you know, like Let the tides draw out some toxins from maybe the cheeky wine or two that you might have on the night, hey? Of course, of course. That's all good stuff. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing such a wonderful uh, amount of uh, beautiful information in that interview. I've certainly taken a lot away and I, I can't wait to share that book in the show notes, Health Revelations from Heaven and Earth. You will just get so much out of it, uh, applying some of those revelations to your own life. I know it for sure. Thank you once again for being a great guest, Dr. Sinatra. We'll speak soon. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.